Well, welcome everybody to the Blofeld podcast for your host, Alex and Tucker. And sorry we missed you last week, but we did uh, want to make an announcement that we are probably going to be going to bi-weekly um, recordings. Tucker and I were kind of talking about it. And um, I think for both of us, it kind of helps to have um, more topics that we're really interested and passionate about talking about, uh, makes for more interesting conversation. And it's kind of hard to get that from a single week's worth of news when there might not be, you know, too much to to really, you know, get into and, and dig into that we we really care about talking about. So that's just yeah. a little bit of housekeeping, something to expect coming up. So um we might be doing a little bit longer episodes. Uh, uh once yeah, exactly. presumably we're gonna be wanting to talk about <laughs> whatever topics we do have saved up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we did want to get into um Obviously, the Hungarian Grand Prix happened a couple of weeks ago, and this was uh, the last race before the big uh, summer break and what they refer to as silly season with driver contract announcements. And Yeah, isn't that the truth? Which we'll get into. But the Hungarian Grand Prix was not without uh, <laughs> yeah. some pretty interesting incidents. You know, um, honestly, and I was saying to you before we went live here, I, I actually really really enjoyed this uh race you know not not necessarily because max won it but um just because there was like there's quite a bit of strategy going on yeah strategy successes strategy missteps Mm -hmm. uh kind of things going back and forth right Uh, so i actually i really enjoyed this race yeah it was there was a lot of tire strategy which we'll get into i think i think i must just be like a tire strategy guy i really like tire strategy i mean that's i mean it's it is kind of the chess move right like because the cars are the cars and so there's only a, a there's a there's a limited number of ways a team can affect driver placement in a race right like pit stop strategy and then tire and, within that. Yeah, and there's tracks that are just really amenable to an undercut where it really works in your favor. And so right. I, I find that, you know really interesting. Yeah, I do. I just think like like it's like, you know, your uh role playing game where you're like, Oh, they they cast the ultimate <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, how work? do I was it too early? Was it too late? <laughs> right, yeah. And, <laughs> so and it's how kind of fun work? to watch. Yeah. Can I counter, I counter to that? Yeah. <laughs> of, you know, and in amongst the tire strategy, I think part part of where the tire strategy challenge was in this race was that uh the temperatures were actually quite cool for the race. Yeah. Um so the track was quite cool as well. And and yeah, and there was like throughout the race like a little hints of raindrops here and there, you know, a couple corners you'd see some uh raindrops on the cameras, and so <laughs> that added a little yeah drama at certain points in the race that was kind of fun right yeah exactly so yeah we'll get into all the tire strategy in a bit because i think that took ended up taking center stage but um in the lead up to the race and qualifying george russell actually got his first formula one pole um so congratulations to him he you know one thing i noticed about the mercedes and maybe it's been that way for a week or two and i haven't it just didn't register when they're showing the long straightaways and and when the high speed stuff, I have not seen it bouncing. I I agree. I, I think, think the they, same thing. I think they updated. Yeah, 
I agree. I think they updated the arrow and they've got it reasonably well sorted. So I feel like the I last think term I thought was that race where like it almost broke Lewis's back. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I remember seeing those and it's like that's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about his age. Yeah. I would no, not want to be doing rough. that for a job. <laughs> yeah. No. So you know, Mercedes obviously we, we talked about it last podcast. Like it seems like they're starting to figure things yeah, out. Yeah, I think they're, they're getting the mix. Um and they were in this race as well. Um, oddly enough, though, the the Red Bulls had a bit more toward time. Max uh, ended up qualifying 10th. Um, so it was an interesting start to to the race because it wasn't necessarily the usual contenders sitting, you know, in the front row of the grid. Um, but it, uh, you know, it the way it played out, uh, George didn't lead for for all that long. Eventually, um, Charles did pass him. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari again, you know, it's, it sounds like we're just kind of a broken record at this point. Yeah. Ferrari again, having a pretty tough time with, with tire strategy for those, you know, that, I, I will, I will ahead. say this, I, I will say this in prior races, their, some of their strategy has just been like, what are you smoking? Like, it's, yeah, it's totally just strong. out, it is out to Mars. Like, mm-hmm okay, we got, we passed everybody and now you just, you know, got into second place or whatever, box, box. And you're like, right. what? Right. Everyone yeah. is just looking like, what? Yeah. Whereas, you know, this, I think, is not, in my mind, is was not quite as egregious. It, it obviously didn't work. And yeah. so in hindsight, it's like, well, that was a terrible idea and you guys are awful. Mm-hmm. However, um, it, it might have worked. It could have worked and then, you know, would have been like, oh, you guys are brilliant. I think, I don't remember who went, somebody went onto the hards before oh. they, yes, and it did yeah. not look good. It was not yeah. pretty. And no. so I I don't, that's kind of the misstep from from, you know, my perspective was looking at how they were doing and losing time and then it was, didn't go well and wasn't a good idea right deciding to do it anyways right is is in the vein of some of these other bananas calls they've made over the the season but i don't think it's like quite as bad as some of the others i mean i think if they were the first to because you know like red bull and mercedes over the years have done that before they've said screw it we're going on hards like Mm -hmm. we're we're going to lose this anyways. And so we, we just have to do something different. Yeah. And sometimes it's backfired. Sometimes it's worked out great. Um, but so I, I felt like this was kind of in the vein of, you know, we're, we're gambling here a little bit. It might work, but they did have a data point beforehand that suggested it was not going to go well. Yeah. And, and that, that's precisely why I think it it's inexcusable for me. I think I have no problem with a team saying, okay, we're going to do something different than what our competitors doing, because maybe we don't think we have the pace that they do. Um, you know, they're showing they're a little bit faster on this medium compound. Maybe we try the hard I, that I don't have a problem with, but the fact that the Alpines had been out there, and were significantly slower on the hards. And it was a cool day. It was always going to be really right. tough to get heat in those tires. That is true. You know, I don't I don't know if they thought, you know, 
I don't know well, if they thought we've got more we're arrow, running a little bit. Yeah, more, we're running a lot more downforce, so we'll yeah. heat these up. I, I don't know, but yeah, that, that, to, <laughs> that to me is was the inexcusable part. Is like <clears throat> if they didn't have a precedent, then fine, like give it a shot. I have no problem with that. But they, I think it was really telling that. So every for every race, Pirelli, the the official tire manufacturer for F1, puts out recommended tire strategies so for for anyone that doesn't know every every car has to be on at least two different compounds throughout the race soft medium hard intermediate whatever it may be and so pirelli puts out different variations based on the expected tire degradation so the strategy that ferrari used which ended up being medium medium hard was not one of no one of the permutations that Pirelli published as possible for this <laughs> like in terms of being successful so you know uh, to yeah. me that it's like what are, what are we doing here? you know and and i, feel I do bad think because, you know charles and charles and carlos both finished off the podium I know. because I know, of it. yeah you i know. do think so people are going to put probably going to get the axe yeah um i i mean maybe over this break they'll get things sorted but mm-hmm. if, but if they continue to have these kind of missteps, I do, yeah, I do kind of think that because they have such a good car, like I know, you know, no. if you if you subtract, I would love to like run an analysis and look back at the r- races and and see like okay, we had a technical failure, right, um, and and so we were just done, or mm-hmm. we had this misstep that you know totally cost us and. Which is worse? Is it the reliability or is it, you know, shitty strategy that's yeah. worse? Like, I right. honestly think the, the bad strategy might be easier to fix Yeah, <laughs> I mean, reliability. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 tough. I, you know, the problem is if you have. If you have a reliability issue that you can single out through like analysis of your components that that should be fixable but if you have race engineers well, you know that, that's what i mean that's what i mean by people getting canned right like yeah. they, need, they need to bring in i i just i keep coming back to this and i don't know if it's true or not but a lot of times how do i put this i think that a lot of times when you are a very poor performer mm-hmm people who are not well skilled mm-hmm. can kind of like coast through that. But all of a sudden, because the spotlight's when, not on. Right. When all of a sudden you're a high performer and, and that's maybe the engineering team, like outside of everybody else just delivered a great car and a great engine. Right. All of a sudden, these people who are not so skilled, mm-hmm. it, it starts to bubble up to the surface, like making right. I mean, this is some of this stuff has really just been like one one inexplicable. Yeah, I mean, like like you know, Alfa Romeo or Williams or Haas, like they they probably would not have made those calls, right? And so, from my perspective, it's like, okay, you you finally got the hardware, you've got the drivers, you've got two really good drivers, mm-hmm. like. And, and Sebastian Vettel is, I still think maybe he's such a diplomatic person. I don't think he probably wouldn't come out and be like, yeah, the leadership there is just a, out. They're just out to lunch. 
Yeah. But they may need to take a knife to that and um well the really rejuvenate it. You know, who who if if that is the case, like if if the rest of the season plays out um and they don't kind of shore those things up because at some point if Red Bull keeps winning and Max did win this race, if Red Bull keeps winning and Ferrari keeps having DNFs or bad calls that lose them a lot of points, you know, they're going to have to at some point switch to focusing their resources on next season, right? Because of Mm -hmm. the cost caps in place, like they can't just keep spending to improve this car. Um, You know, I, who at Ferrari or, or maybe, you know, whoever's in control of Ferrari, who, who that's can, who can yeah, have that, that, that's the are they introspective enough for that or, or are they just i don't know i don't, I don't know can... that they are man <laughs> i don't know that they are i mean look at look at historically all the freaking politics and culture kind of wars that have gone on there yeah um well right now i'm reading and... i'm reading a biography of enzo ferrari um that brock yates wrote <laughs> years ago and brock yates is the former editor of i think motor trend um but it's fascinating. And and what you realize is, is that Ferrari was really behind the times pretty much every step of the way. Um, yeah. But that's... they built this kind of mythos around that. <laughs> I think no. that's what it is. I honestly, I think that's what it is. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just comes down to, um, I think at the top of that pyramid, if that individual says, winning is more important than anything else politics loyalty family whatever Mm -hmm. you know you can identify the people who would have had opposite strategies or not made those calls through kind of like you know word of mouth and you just kind of rebuild around that like yeah yeah you know that's but I, i just that organization does not strike me as the kind of place that that will will do that be introspective and yeah it's it's almost like their 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 mythos is really like we build a great car and we find these phenomenal drivers who who are attracted to us because of the we uh, are the the myth the legend Mm -hmm. yes and then um you know the the drivers and probably i'm sure even maybe in schumacher's case probably overruled them (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, occasionally I think so it was like, we're not wonder, doing that. I'm going to stay out, you know? Yeah. You Well, you wonder if, you know, that's where someone like Red Bull has an advantage. They don't have, they don't have a, you know, an, an 80, 90 yeah. year history to look back yeah. on. They're not an automotive manufacturer. Like, <laughs> they entire, busy lifting drinks. Yeah. Their entire reason for existence <laughs> is to win and be successful and promote their yeah, brand. Ex- yeah, exactly. And so they they are going to be as efficient and cutting of the fat as possible. Yeah, they're going to be ruthless. I mean, they, know, they have is... a notorious young drivers program. You know, we've talked about yeah. them before. They're very harsh. Um, yeah, and that's when you look at Max Verstappen, that's that's yeah. who, um, you know, climbs up that pyramid is in, right. in, and is successful in that type of environment. Right. And then we, yeah. we wonder why, like, why is, why is the guy an asshole when he's racing Lewis Hamilton? It's like, right. you got to understand the culture of that organization to understand, you know, who yeah. he is and why he's in the position he is. It makes right. complete sense when you do. Yeah, you, you know, a guy, 
a guy who has a psychotic domineering dad that makes him, like <laughs> the terminator of racing drivers is going to be successful in red <laughs> yeah red bull's this team he's that's you the know. team for him yeah so <laughs> I, I you know i hope i hope ferrari does kind of look inward and say like you know we have the car we have the drivers the only thing left to blame is the people on the pit wall so we've got to figure this out <laughs> yeah um so yeah i mean that that to me was the biggest i mean if they would if they wanted i mean they could i don't know that they subscribe to this podcast but we'd be happy you and i I mean, we'd be happy to yeah if they have some kind of strategy they could (laughs) they could run it by us first yeah yeah even even though even though we (laughs) that's a terrible idea don't go on the go do that my 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 advice would be oh, listen yeah. to whatever Carlos has to say. He's yeah, probably yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, he is he is more often than not correct. <laughs> a couple. Uh, I did want to mention some. You know, we've talked about the Mercedes kind of subtly getting you know st- steadily getting back in the mix. I should say. Um, and once again, Lewis in second, George in third. Yep. You know, Mercedes is starting to accrue to those top, man. points, man. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> as much as Whoa. as much as you hate to see it. <laughs> oh, it just disturbs me. <laughs> they're, they're, I, I have gotten a lot of, yeah, I've gotten a lot of satisfaction out of watching them all of them squirm mm-hmm. for a few months, but I was not I was not under any <laughs> false pretenses. Yeah. That they would squirming would last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting, you know, thinking about where they started, okay, you know, that horrible porpoising they were having, you know, all the issues they're having. They are currently only 30 points behind Ferrari for second. You know, and we talked they're about gonna, Man, they're going to get it. That's we so talked about that, like that they, you know, Ferrari, if they're not careful, they're not only going to lose out on the drivers, yeah. but they're going to lose out on the constructors race too. And I mean, you're talking... Mm-hmm millions and millions of dollars in, in prize money yeah. being the difference there. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, Red Bull has kind of not pulled away. I mean, we've got a lot of season left, but Red Bull is at 431 points. Ferrari's 334. Mercedes is 304. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, yeah. You know, who, who gets second is really going to be who gets the, second is the race. Yeah. So, um, you know, but <laughs> that, that was kind of my biggest takeaway from the weekend is like Mercedes seems to be, coming back up to challenge the Red Bulls. And yeah. meanwhile, Ferrari is Ferrari has the fastest car, I think on the grid, at least over a lap and, and over, you know, and at some tracks it, they're by far the fastest car overall, yeah. but you know, if they don't sort everything else out, it's not, yeah, if it's not strategy. It's some kind of equipment failure. I mean, loading. <laughs> yeah, it's just been, I don't know. I really, hopefully they just, can turn it around and just come come at everyone with a vengeance the second half of this season. Yeah, I would love to see it because I, I me too. I like Charles. I like Carlos. I want to see them. You know, Mercedes. I still don't think, and maybe they will by the end of the season. But I still don't think they have a car to consistently challenge the Red Bulls. I agree. I, I agree. At this point. Can. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I, you know, everybody has gone off for the summer break now. Uh, hopefully the engineers are still hard at work back at the factory, you know, making improvements and, and we'll see some more exciting racing for the second half of the season. Um, 
we come back at spa at the end of August. So that should be pretty sweet. sweet. Yeah. Let's um, hope we don't get rained out. Yeah. Let's hope we don't get rained out. <laughs> um, so in amongst the race, there was a lot of news. So just, just, I think leading up to the race weekend, it was uh, Sebastian Vettel actually kind of surprised, like as a surprise announcement, uh, they put out a YouTube video on the Aston Martin YouTube channel uh, announcing he announced he, he was retiring. Um, yeah. And in, in typical Seb Vettel style, it was an extremely classy um, announcement. He basically is say, you know, said how much he loved the sport, but that, you know, his, his, you know, yeah. the lifestyle takes him away from his family a lot. He's got young kids that he wants to spend more time with. Um, and I don't think anyone can, you know, begrudge the guy wanting to spend time with his family. Um, yeah. And he's made an ungodly amount of money. He doesn't right. really have anything to prove at this point. No, it's, it's mostly, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's set for life. He can go pursue other interests. We know he, yeah. he's not one of these guys who, you know, outside of racing, can't tell you, you know, the time of day he, he's a yeah, exactly. guy. No. He's got interest in a lot of, obviously we've, we've seen with his, you know, things he said at the races, you know, he's, Social issues, climate yeah. change, etc. Um, yeah, he's so, a good guy, man. I yeah. um, he is someone that was. I've really come back on. Like I used to really not like him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, in his Red Bull days, he was yeah. really cocky. And then as he's gotten older, he's really become quite the statesman. Yeah, people people do mature. One of my um, colleagues was mentioning that Lewis Hamilton had a, a very kind thing to say about him. Something to the extent of, you know, having Seb on in the pits on the track just made him feel less lonely. Mm. And I think that says a lot about Seb. Yeah. And and just how he's just like just such a like a personal, caring individual. Yeah. Um, and just engaged with 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 everybody. Right. Um and so I, I thought that really spoke highly of, uh, it, of it does. yeah, I mean that I think one of the you know the la- one of the lasting memories for me of Seb isn't gonna be the times at Red Bull and all the wins and stuff. It's gonna be him pulling over, I forget if it was during free practice or qualifying, him pulling over after Lando Norsey crashed going up Eau Rouge at Spa, mm-hmm. pulling in behind and and going over to check to make sure he was okay. Because he had seen yeah. the crash. And this is a guy, you know, he's, I think it was qualifying. But anyways, he's he's got his own things to focus on. But he wants to make sure this this young driver's okay because he saw it was a big accident, you know. Yeah. And yeah. he was a fierce competitor for sure, but um, a really pretty uh, lovely human by all accounts. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so, happy for him. I think, I think it's the right move, honestly. I think it's so, too. Good. I mean, he... <clears throat> He was, you know, obviously at Aston, he wasn't in a competitive car. Unlikely that he's going to be in a position to compete for podiums again. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think he, he felt his, his race had been, been run. And, um, you know, now he's, he's moving on to, to enjoy the fruits of his labor, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. So congrats good to for him. Uh, good for him. Uh, enjoy retirement, do some cool stuff. 
I'm sure. Yeah, I wish I was retiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little jealous. I don't know how old jealous. he is, but I bet he's not too far off from our age. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think he's, I think he's 36 or 37. I want to say. Yeah, it's right there with us. <laughs> yeah, he's in the mix. Uh, he is. <laughs> 35, 35. Jeez, man, we're old. We're I know, old I know. Yeah, I love it. I, I did, I did. You do see, you do see that age even gets to like F1 drivers because he, <laughs> you know, early in his career, he's he's like you know built like a greyhound, you know, just like whip it, yeah. Then and and he's got a little punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, you know, sub retired, which opened up. Obviously, you know, like I said, the summer summer break is when a lot of the driver changes and contracts negotiations stuff happen. So, sub retiring leaves a seat open at Aston Martin, <laughs> and um, there was a lot. <laughs> I don't know how this stuff happened. So, the Alpine F1 team has had a young driver by the name of Oscar Piastri, who's uh, an Australian driver. Um, his manager is actually Mark Weber, the Formula Formula One driver. Um, oh, also Australian. Um, Piastri has come up through the Alpine Young Drivers Program. He was an F3 with them. He's the defending F2 champion with them. Um, extremely highly rated young driver. So Alpine put out a press release uh, saying that you know, Oscar has signed with us uh, for next year. That uh, doesn't. I agree. That just doesn't make any sense why they yeah. did that. I don't know what. I don't understand that. I don't know. Basically, saying he's going to be joining <laughs> the uh, joining the F one team, uh, getting promoted from F two, which you know, for for any driver, that is that's the ultimate. You know, like you've reached yeah. the top of the mountain, and so people thought it was very odd that. They put out that request release, and Oscar Piastri didn't say anything on any of his social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, anything. So then, like an hour and a half go by, and finally Piastri puts out a tweet saying, I understand that without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for them next year. Hmm. Which it's one thing to say you haven't signed a contract, but he basically said, I will, you know, I'm not driving for them. So he shut, the, which, which, which presumably meant he knew he, who he was he, driving. For right. Presumably and signed. Right. Yeah. So that the next morning, Alonzo, who is currently Fernando Alonso, who's currently with Alpine announces he's moving to Aston Martin to take over Sebsi. <laughs> so now yeah. Alpine is sitting there with, you know, Esteban Ocon and who? Nobody. <laughs> um, and, and subsequently it's come out that that may have been calculated on Fernando's part. Um, apparently the morning he announced he was leaving was the morning that Alpine's rights to Piastri's, <clears throat> like basically re-upping Piastri's contract expired. Mm. And so... He knew that Alpine was going to be screwed. Uh, and so obviously this has led to a whole blow up at Alpine. Uh, oh, God. Who's the team principal has basically said like, you know, 
I, I expected Piastri to be, you know, sh- show some sort of loyalty to us since he was, you know, we've basically nurtured him throughout his career. And, um, you know, the, <laughs> the F1 subreddit uh, was just yeah. Yeah. going with memes. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, who knows? Like, I don't know if they were trying to, you know, corner him, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of dare him to like go and say that he wasn't. Especially right. if if they if they didn't have the intelligence that he had gone and signed with somebody else, yeah. Um, I mean, because if it's a good if, question, were they trying to leverage the social? Were they trying to put that out and leverage him into a position where he had to stay, or else it would look silly? Yeah. Everybody involved. Yeah, he went. So, he blew it up. He blew it up. <laughs> yeah, and and now there's the there's sources reporting that so. The big question coming out of this was, okay, if, if Piastri is not driving for Alpine next year, who's he driving for? Um, and, you know, we know that Daniel Ricciardo has had a really torrid time at McLaren overall, um, consistently kind of being outperformed by Lando. And um, so there's been doubts about where he'll be next year. Um and now there's sources reporting that uh, that Daniel Ricardo has been told that Piastri is going to be taking his seat at McLaren next year, which it'd be quite I, the it'd be quite the combination, Lando it, and Piastri. It would be. It's interesting. <coughs> You've got an extremely young driver, although Lando's you know he's been in F1 now for a few years, but still very young, and you're going to pair him with an another young driver. It seems like a little bit of an odd. You know, usually you've got a little bit more senior guy and a younger guy like Checo, yeah, Carlos, that being, Charles. That being, that being said, though, I don't. It, it really doesn't sound like Lando and Danny really get along at all. Yeah, like it, it sounds like there's a lot of like not. It, it seems okay. like on paper they're <clears throat> pretty easygoing guys mm-hmm. and would would jive pretty well together. But from like kind of what I've gathered. From just you know perusing articles, coming up with news bites, mm-hmm. um, drive to survive type stuff. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. really seem like it's a good fit, and so yeah, no. maybe I it's agree. time to just break that up and move on. You know? Yeah, I think that everyone thought going into that driver pairing that you know Daniel was going to get consistent results from McLaren while also mentoring Lando. And that their personalities would just, you know, they would be getting along, joking around, having fun. And that just does not, has not been the case really on any facet of no. that. Um, no. You know, yeah, if any, Danny has not been very out. consistent. Mm-hmm. Lando has been. Um, right. And if despite any, kind of issues be, with the car. Right. And, and Lando seems to still be closer with Carlos signs than he does yeah. with Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that could be a really interesting pairing for next year. Um, you know, that then opens up the question as to, okay, well, well then, you know, does Daniel go back to Alpine? You know, I mean, he was, yeah. we talked before he was, you know, he's had a really weird career cause he's kind of team hopped. He was starting to have yeah. to McLaren. Um, yeah. And so it, it makes it, I don't know. I would hate to see Daniel not be an F1 because he's such a fun personality, but I think based yeah. on the results, I also couldn't defend that. Yeah. Either. Agree. And I don't know that they're going to have a lot of appetite for bringing him back. 
No, no. Especially I, I, after the results that he's had with McLaren, you know? So no. I don't know. It'll be interesting, really be interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah. So, you know, the, the other interesting part of this is, you know, I think it's, a, <laughs> I mean, granted, if he has a contract in place or he knows that things are being agreed to, then fair enough. But I think it's pretty bold of a rookie driver coming into F1 to basically just say yeah. like, no, I'm going to, I'm not going to take your seat. I'm going to take this other team's seat. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, uh, we'll have to see. I'll be interested to see where he ends up. It is like you said. Yeah, I know. I hope he had something inked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, you know, not, this is, this is not the level to be pulling those shenanigans. No, you know, go mean, ahead and do that in F3 or F2, I guess, yeah. maybe, He's, you know, where they might be a little more forgiving. But at this level, you know, you don't want to embarrass like an entire organization. No, he's well, like this, a, that's the thing. he's definitely burned every bridge at Alpine. And then if McLaren won him, so be it. But if if I'm any other team looking at how he handled that situation, I'm yeah. thinking like this guy, this guy this is going to be a headache. Yeah, this guy could be a headache. He could, you know, he certainly is only looking out for himself. Um, and so do I really want to get, you know, I mean, maybe he's such an incredibly overwhelmingly talented driver. He's worth taking the risk on. But, you know, it, it's that's a hell of a move to pull when you're not even in an F1 seat yet. So. Uh, <laughs> 20-year-olds, uh, very self-assured 20-year-olds. <clears throat> Sounds well, about yeah. right. Yeah, and I mean, he's getting, you know, his he's presumably getting the the other funny part about this is this is basically like um, all Australians involved. You've got Piastri and Mark Webber, his manager, and then Daniel. So yeah, <laughs> you know, hopefully they've spoken. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? So, <laughs> I don't know. It's and it's just the beginning of of, of these kind of sh- you know, all yeah, these, I know. These so we'll see. It's like we'll it's like the summer break, but nobody actually gets a break. I mean, no one probably actually, yeah. they There's probably are Yeah, a good chunk of the drivers may feel like for a month they're under the guillotine. You know, yeah. like that's not yeah. pleasant. Not yeah, a pleasant really break hope. at all. <laughs> yeah, I would like to just renew my contract for next year, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd like to take a vacation. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think I think that's all we have for this week. Unless there was anything else you want to talk about, bud? No. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back, um, I guess, in a couple weeks, and uh, yeah. and so. We're actually we're gonna have some stuff to talk about because I am going to Road America on Tuesday. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, so um, well, I can kind of recap. The Empire that. Strikes Back. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Return of the Return Jedi. Of the King. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Return uh, of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, Return of the Jedi. I mean, it is it is in the middle of a forest, very much like <laughs> like Endor. It's it it definitely hits that theme more, but. Uh, yeah, so so, but we're gonna we'll have we'll talk about that and and kind of anything else that comes up and and uh, maybe we'll hopefully I'm don't I can get together do not do tomorrow. not put it in a wall do not put it in a wall no you don't, <laughs> you don't need to drive it so yeah exactly don't put it in a wall <laughs> no, I did get track day insurance just in case, good but. smart man smart man. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to check us out uh, at the Blow Out Podcast on Instagram and 
Um, be sure to subscribe to us, um, rate us on iTunes. All those things really help. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time.